Right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Me, Myself and Hopefully You podcast. I'm your host, Tariq, a 19-year-old university student currently experiencing a midlife crisis as he has no idea what he wants to do with his life. So rather than see a career advisor or a therapist, I decided to start a podcast where I invite guests from an array of backgrounds to tell me their story. And whilst finding out about them, hopefully I can find out more about myself too. So if you can relate, or maybe you just want to see where I end up, join me every Sunday right here. Ladies and gentlemen, my guest at this time is a former NFL cheerleader, model, actress, producer, and current host of SoCal Sweat on the Believe Podcast Network. She tells me more about what it was like growing in a Russian Orthodox family, how she got into cheerleading, the crazy and very scary world of being a model and working as an NFL cheerleader, uh, along with her worrying experiences of sexual assault in the acting industry. Please join me in welcoming the lovely Anne McDaniels. So, Anne, I just want to start off with um, some quick fire questions just to get to know you a bit more. Uh, my first quick fire question is going to be, um, my first one's going to be, what is the sort of last, thing or last picture on your camera roll oh well thank you so much for asking Tarek um probably I actually just posted a podcast this morning on 10 quick tips to happiness people are very stressed out and so I just took a screenshot because I'm doing several social media posts on keys to happiness um so I I did like through TikTok through and I also took a bunch of screenshots from Clubhouse. Have you heard of Clubhouse? Yeah, it's the new app yes. that's sort of taking everything by storm. Yeah. It's amazing. So I wow. always take, like, I usually have, I'm listening to music and then I'm like podcast and then I'm doing something else. I've got the earbuds in one, one in each ear. Mm-hmm. And every time someone comes up, especially for the opportunity to interview for a podcast, I screenshot it and then I get back to them later on Instagram. For example, a woman came up this morning saying, she has an, a mental health app for children. So she's hitting all the parents. So I thought, what a great thing to have on my on my podcast. So I take screenshots of that. Ah, uh, okay, very nice. Uh, so what's the name of your podcast? It's called, um, it's Believe SoCal Sweat. So as a former NFL cheerleader, I was approached by someone from ESPN to start this. Um, and the Believe Network is a huge network of sports, health, nutrition, everything like that, business. And so he said, Give, give us a perspective of a former NFL cheerleader and fitness model in the perspective of, of Southern California, which is the Mecca mm. of fitness, yet we don't have gyms anymore. Okay. <laughs> so, yeah. So it's, it's called SoCal Sweat. Believe SoCal right. Sweat. I'll leave that, uh, the link to the podcast in the description uh, below or in the description on the Spotify version. Thanks, Tarek. Sure. No worries. Uh, the next quick fire question that I've got is I sort of already know the answer. So normally I ask um, people sort of who their role models are, who, or who their number one role model will be. Now, when I was doing research for you, it came up that you described your mother and grandparents as your role models. Am I right there? Absolutely. And, yeah. and, it, 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 and why is that? I just, the discipline instilled in, in me and our grandparents, a lot of them are immigrants or they come from the old country. And mm. As a child, I absolutely hated the rules. The rules were so ridiculous and so strict, but I really admire them I, for putting up with so many different things and staying on track. Um, old fashioned values, being grounded and everything we hear about with mental health today, 
it goes back to like the old country of, of how our parents were raised before um, coming to America. So I guess I just look at them as such hard workers, disciplinarians. They never really, they never really strayed from, from their values, even if it was annoying. Um, so I really appreciate that. I also love the character. Um, my favorite movie is Basic Instinct. And there's a, a character called Catherine Trammell and she, she's a killer but she's a very strong woman. So if you look past the murdering tendencies- look past the biggest part about her character. Yes! <laughs> she's good, yeah. She's, she, she, she bulldozes men. There's something about empowering women. And I, I've never chosen to get married or have kids. It's never been in me. Even when I was a child and I played with Barbies, I never really played with dolls. I just played with like Barbies and I never had them get married. I never had them have babies. I always had them go out with the girlfriends, even as a child. And I played with race cars. So I, it was kind of paving the way for just a little bit of a tomboy. I'm very, very um, feminine, but I never wanted to get married. And I was raised by a single mother. My parents were divorced at four. And maybe that, maybe that laid the path. I'm not sure, but I always saw women of such strength, I think. So yeah oh that's that's definitely something that um i did i don't have not i didn't have noted down but it's something that we, we should definitely get into that topic because that's very interesting you don't normally hear um you know things of, of men or women sort of not choosing not to get married and especially women not having children it's sort of very uncommon um but we'll definitely get into that topic because that's sure. very interesting that. uh especially considering the profession that you ended up going into um my third and final quick fire question to you is if there, God forbid, there was a house fire, uh, and everyone survived, so every every person, every family member survived. Your pets survived if you've got any, but you could only preserve or you could only um, protect one item. You could only take one item out with you. It has to be a physical thing. It can't be your phone because you have your phone with you. It's got to be something that normally stays in the house. Definitely my laptop okay. and all the all the backup drives, mm. as well as. I have a collection of absolutely gorgeous um, Russian Orthodox icons. And I have my grandfather's, who was a Russian Orthodox deacon, cross. And that's very oh, wow. special to me. Very special. And he's deceased. And yeah, it, it's very special to me. And I have kind of a shrine in a corner, like if someone were to come in. I, I, I'm not like ultra, ultra religious, but I am. I, I really, I don't like speak it, but I live the life and I, I give gratitude every day, all day. And that's, I have the most gorgeous shrine. And a lot of these um, icons are from Moscow and they're very, they're blessed and they're, they're prized possessions, including my grandfather's cross. Yeah, no, I bet. Especially when you keep those sort of little things that um, grandparents, you know, especially when they pass on and you keep those, those little things that when you're growing up, you sort of go, oh, what's that? What's, you know, whatever. When you're older, you sort of appreciate them more because it belonged to them. And it's part, it's part of not only their heritage, but also your heritage. Yeah. Like, uh, every, you know, you, you, your Russian past, or your Russian sort of uh, heritage and your background, it's all sort of there. And we will get to that. But before I get sure. to that, sort of your, your you know, how you, your sort of, um, you know, how, what it was like growing up in a Russian strict Orthodox home. Um, could you introduce yourself to the, the viewers and listeners? Sure. Well, thank you so much for bringing me on today, Tarek. I'm happy to be here. My name is my name is Anne McDaniels, and I am originally from a very small town in the Midwestern part of, of, of America. It's called Wisconsin. 
and people know it usually in all over the world as as cheese. Lots of lots of good cheese, lots of farming. So it was a very small town, and we grew up. It was basically kind of a farming town, um, and I grew up around a lot of Protestants. It's, it was very Protestant driven, and our family was Eastern Orthodox, which is very uncommon even in the state. And so we were always kind of, kind of strange. I mean, I always had like great friends and had a wonderful upbringing and childhood, but our church was very strict and our rules and regulations in the households were also very strict. Um, it was grades, piano, um, music was very, very, we all sung as a family a cappella in the church. And that was very strong. As a child, I was embarrassed by it. I'm like, oh, this is so embarrassing. You know, we had different a lot of times we had different foods, um, but now I love it. I really, really love it. So I actually went through all the high school and did everything homecoming queen. I was like, you know, straight A student, captain of the dance team. Growing up in a small town, you have a lot more opportunities. Um, so you could be captain or you could be president of so many things because it's a smaller market. So yeah. I was very diversified and segmented, which is really, I, I really... Um, I'm honored and blessed to have had that versus going to a huge school and not having the exposure. So I then um, went on to the University of Minnesota and, and that's, it was a huge university, which is about two and a half hours away from where I was from. I had wanted to go to New York City, but I'm like, I was a little girl. I mean, I was just very sheltered and I'm like, that would have, I would have been spit up and eaten alive. Although, no, maybe not. Um, so I, I stayed, close and I was third generation to go there. And I started off in pre-pharmacy, pre-med. I loved pharmacy. I had worked in high school all the way through as a pharmacy technician. So I got to count the pills and speak with the pharmacist, sometimes speak with the clients. And I was fascinated by the pharmaceutical industry. And um, I started with pre-med, pre-pharm when three years in, and it was like, it wasn't me. And during pharmacy school, I had to take business classes, because sometimes if you go into pharmacy, you own your own business. So okay. I found the business classes to be much more intriguing, much easier for myself. And with all the internships, because um, I'd worked in science labs, done all of that, I just found business to be much more my liking. And um, I had to work three jobs in college and with all the organic chemistries and then bartending at night and doing everything else, it was, my grades just weren't there. So mm -hmm. I had to take, I had to like flood my my business classes with straight A's just to like, you know, and then I got a wonderful position at General Mills. Um, General Mills is a CPG, consumer packaged goods company. And I came out making bank. I was like, I was so, couldn't believe the salary I got yeah. right out of the gate, plus a sign-on bonus and a car. I never wow. had a car in my entire life. So yeah. it was like, oh my gosh, all those internships paid off because mm -hmm. I had to flood my resume with something, some really good things. Um, and that was, I, I spent four years there and I kept getting promoted and I was really lucky, but I was always worried. Like, I don't think I know what I'm talking about. Do I, it was imposter syndrome. I'm like, do I know what I'm even doing? What if I get discovered that I don't really know what I'm talking Cause there was a lot of math involved and I was like, yeah, some of this stuff. Um, so Anyway, I just didn't love corporate America. You know, I, I gained so much insight and I love General Mills for what, 
what they taught me and wonderful connections. I would, I would work there again. Um, during that time, I was next to a guy in our cubicles. He had played football at the same university where I went to school. And we did not like working in a nine to five, but it was more like a six to 10. It was not a nine to five. Yeah. And um, we vowed, we are going to try out for the NFL for him as a football player and NFL cheerleader for me. And we worked our butts off. So there was a lot of working out. We kept each other in check. I don't have any, I didn't have any dance experience whatsoever. The day I went to the tryouts, there were thousands, thousands of girls and they only picked the top 25. Um, So it went boom, 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 all the way down. So we had like a month of training camp. I didn't tell anybody except for Derek, like this guy, and then one other friend. And I- Are your parents? I didn't, no, not at all, at all. I told my, the guy that, that I was dating at the time. And then for some reason, my godparents and my mom found out from some friend, I think my boyfriend told them because I kept a lot of things that was frivolous. To my family, that is very, no, we don't do that. We, academics, this kind of thing. Yeah. They showed up for the final trout because it was in the public eye. Um, the rest of it was very private. I made the team and I couldn't believe it because I literally faked my way through it. I mean, I taught myself how to dance and I'm an athlete. So I figured it out and I was always fascinated by dancing and the entertainment business. And, but it's like, it's, oh, you can't do that. That's not, no, we don't do that kind of stuff. So I just, once I made the team, I just thought this is, this is what I love. I love the dancing, the spotlight, the public relations. My favorite part about it was the charity that you can give because when you're on a platform and people look to you sort of as a role model, you can do so many more things and people will listen, you know, whether it be like just a lot of charity work, a lot of things for breast cancer and the handicapped and, and, and Habitat for Humanity, which are big, big things here for philanthropy. So I thought I fell in love with philanthropy and, and giving back plus sports. I mean, I just, entertainment, it was just wonderful. So I had to go, I I would work out in the mornings from like 5am to to 6am. I'd work all day, then go to practice for five hours at night, go home, bring my laptop home, work, 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 get up the next morning, do the same thing. So I did that. And I finally resigned. I put in a month of about month notice thanking them so much, but I moved to New York without a job, but I had like a modeling contract. So I just split and I went to New York city. I went there with no side job and, and I got an apartment in Soho, which is the fashion district. And I told myself, you are going to figure this out while you're modeling. You need to get a little bit of a side job because New York's expensive. So I got a job in sales right away. I, I speak, I used to speak French. I speak profession French now, like je parle français, mais ce n'est pas bon. And yeah. um, my clients were Louis Vuitton, Prada. I had these unbelievable clients doing their sales for their advertising. So I was able to learn New York City and Manhattan right away, learn, and then being in sales in New York City, you've got to get damn tough. So I learned right away, like cut the, cut the small town. Like I was always like, Hi, 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 saying hi to everybody on the street. They're going to think you're crazy. So yeah. I, I, I had to toughen myself up. And during the time, 
I had changed my voice. Um, you know, women speak with a higher pitch. And um, when I was at General Mills, the company beforehand, I realized I'm a woman. And also at the same time, I was an NFL cheerleader. So I'm in like swimsuit photos, calendar photos, pretty much half naked dancing, yet I'm in corporate America working with men. So I realized- the opposite, completely. Completely. So I, my voice, I just kind of like went lower, a little bit of a lower octave. Cause I'm like, usually like this, you know, like you gotta, so I changed that and I noticed a drastic difference. And I also noticed my handshake. I wanted it much, much stronger. Um, yeah. And I found that a lot of men don't, and I, I'm not ripping on men, but I would find that sometimes they'd go like this, like mm-hmm. almost saying, no, your handshake's a little too aggressive. And it reminded me of the playing with the Barbies, how, how, how much I look to women as strength. And I'm like, no, 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 no. So I guess that was kind of a transition too, because here I am very sexy in the spotlight, you know, and then I had to be a business person. So there were just some changes that I really had to make and, and change my intonation. Yeah, no, I mean, I mean, from all that, I, there's actually, for, it's uh, actually, before I start saying anything, it's weird you mentioned that handshake thing because um, uh, handshakes, when I first came to university here before COVID, I came on a, a little summer school thing. Uh, and one of the first they were teaching was about networking and one of the first things they taught us when we were allowed to handshake people was uh, how to how to offer a handshake um and it's about sort of being firm and, and the importance of it and one of the interesting things that they showed us was they showed us uh, how donald trump does his handshakes and whatever you think of donald trump if you actually look at his handshakes he actually goes in there like this make sure he makes sure that his hand is on top of the other person's and then he grabs it towards him essentially to show that, listen, I'm the boss here. Power. And he's always yeah. done that. It's all about power. And it's interesting that you talk about that because especially like you said, um, and I know you said you're not hating on, on men, but especially as a woman, you know, uh, a model as well, men would have looked at you, and especially in corporate America, they would have looked at you and thought, she's going to be easy. I can get her to do, I can get her to do this or I'll make a sign this or et cetera, et cetera. She'll be a walk in the park. I'll be able to walk all over it. But when you give that handshake, it's like, whoa, you know, like, like as a guy, you know, men know when a woman is, you know, powerful. Like you have when you're like you, they they know that. All right, she's you know she knows what she's talking about, and it, that handshake especially is sort of significant in that in that sense. Um, and just in general, your story was actually quite relatable. You know, coming from a small town myself, I'm from a small town as well, and then going out. But you didn't go to New York, and I didn't go to London because for for me it was too big of a jump because I would have gone from a small town to a, a huge city, the capital. You would have gone from a small sort of area, small town to New York, you know, one of the, the, the most amazing and well-known cities in the world. Mm-hmm. And so, but instead you go a little bit, you know, easier than that. So instead of going to London, I'm about an hour and a half away from London. So just to be a little, you know, just to challenge yourself, but not to go too crazy. And right. it's similar like for you as well, because you sort of did that. And I sort of relate to your story in that sense. And I, I just find it fascinating how you went from, you know, one end of the spectrum. And at one point you were on both ends of the spectrum where you were modeling, you know, whatever time of the day. And then the next part of the day, you were probably suited and booted, ready to do some um, business deals. Yeah, yeah. So I respect, I respect you for the same thing. That's very cool. Mm-hmm. And I'm it's, sure when you, when you left your small town in Bangladesh, 
that maybe you got. I'm not from Bangladesh. I'm my my parents are from Bangladesh. So I'm from. Oh, England. okay. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm from England. I'm uh, so I'm from uh, a town near uh, Manchester, okay. uh, which is like completely different. The my, the town that I'm from is completely different to sort of London and the city. It's it's a village. It's it's considered a village where I'm okay. from. Um, and so like loads of hills. Um, there's not necessarily a lot of farming, but there's loads of hills, loads of greenery, etc. And then come in here where it's just a load of city, load of buildings. It is sure. completely different. Um, are you Manchester United or Chelsea? Oh no, Man United all the way. Okay. <laughs> Chelsea is in London, so Chelsea is a London club, and then there's Manchester United and there's Manchester City that are near Manchester. Which one's more respected? A what between Manchester United and Chelsea? Yeah. Manchester United are like the biggest. Well, I'd obviously they're like the Yankees. Yeah. Do you know what we actually are? I think the owners. Uh, who who won the Super Bowl this year? Oh, it was um, the, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Yeah, so their owners are the same owners as the Manchester United owners. No. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Really? Yeah, yeah. And well, you, a, lot of, a lot of Manchester United fans were really annoyed because does, it, does Tom Brady play for them? Yeah. So and apparently Tom Brady cost the owners a lot of money. And a lot of Manchester United fans were really annoyed because they were saying, look how much money they're spending on this, on American football, but they won't give us the same money. Like we need the money to buy a certain player as well. But so, they won. Yeah. And a lot of Manchester United fans were really hoping that they wouldn't win because they, because, because a lot of, a lot, because, and I know we're getting off topic, but the, the, the Glazers who own Tampa Bay as well, are, either they own it all of it or they own part of it or something like that. They have, they cool. definitely own it. Uh, they when they bought Manchester United, they took the club in debt into like hundreds of millions of debt, uh, and essentially it put us into a lot of debt. They refused to spend, you know, the money. They were basically taking a lot of the money out of the club and refusing to spend any of the profits. Wow! Uh, and so a lot of the Man United fans despise the owners. They really hate them. Uh, and so when 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 all the United fans found out about sort of, you know, this investment in, in Tampa Bay, they were like, right, we want Tampa Bay to lose this final. We want them to get completely destroyed. It will be the best thing ever. And there's a similar team as well. I think it might be the Yankees, but I'm not sure. That's owned by the owner of Arsenal Football Club, which is another football club in London. Oh, um, I'm going to look that up. It's a big, it's a big team. His name's Stan Kroenke. I don't know if you might have heard of him or not. Oh, I'm um, going to look it up. But even, even so, I mean, the Tampa Bay also bought, you know, Gronkowski. So it was the two of them together. Oh, okay. So I'm sure it was even more money. Yeah, but yeah. I, would, I would think that, you know, because Tom Brady's a pretty good guy, but then again, he had nothing to do with it. You'd think that he'd be like, know this, but mm. it's not common knowledge. Maybe it's take not, less of a salary to give yeah. to other teams. But I mean, I think, well, to be fair, I think, um, the, I don't know how much Tom Brady's on, but the, I don't know how much you know about, uh, you guys call it soccer, we call it football. Um, like, is it, yeah, so... <laughs> like the amount of money that soccer makes is is ridiculous. I, yeah. I think it, it's the, the most well-known sport in the world, whilst football or American football is, is quite literally just America that are into it. Absolutely. Um, but the, the number NBA one, well, yeah. exactly. But the number one most recognized team in the world is, are the Yankees, the New York Yankees baseball. Are they? Yeah. See, the see there was a debate, I remember, straight after the, the Super Bowl where um, someone, I think it might have been ESPN or something, that came out and they tweeted something. They 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 tweeted out a list of the most recognized sports people in the world. And they had Tom Brady at the top. And basically all European um, soccer fans were fuming because they said, Hated no them. way. They, oh. they was like, there's no way because 
And the, the evidence, they use different sort of types of evidence, but one of them they used was Tom Brady had, I think, 9 million Instagram followers. And then uh, I think Cristiano Ronaldo has like 200 million or something crazy. So it's like, that was like, oh, come on. Oh, quite clearly, soccer is... Well, Absol- anyway, that's well, a debate and pe- Well, even Americans, a lot of Americans yeah. hate Tom Brady. I love Tom Brady. His book, Why? TB12, they, because he's the GOAT. He's the... He's the oh, okay. He, yep, and he beats so many teams. And it's like, people were sick of the Patriots. Then he went to Buccaneers, just proved because he always wins, but people yeah. want a team that always wins, but I, I love him. And I bought his, I got his book. Um, it's called TB12, all about his discipline. It's phenomenal. So I love him, it's but a lot of Americans that. hate him. Yeah. It's interesting that. Cause I, cause do, do Americans feel the same about Michael Jordan and LeBron James? Oh, they pretty much love, love those two. Um, Michael Jordan has been known as kind of being an asshole, but people love mm. People love the greats, yeah. but for some reason, people either love Tom Brady or don't like Tom Brady. So, yeah. I, I guess Cristiano Ronaldo is very... So we have in soccer, I don't know if you've ever heard of yep. these two. We've got, we've got Messi and Ronaldo. Yeah. And uh, they're like the two of the best. And, and you either you either think Messi's the best player in the world or you think Ronaldo's the best player in the world. It's, sure. it's either or one or the other. And there's a huge debate about that. But I wouldn't say anyone sort of goes, oh, I really don't like Ronaldo. I really don't like Messi. Um, Unlike in America, I'm I'm quite shocked about that because I thought everyone we, in America would love Tom Brady. We probably have so many players and so many teams mm. that it's just like they get sick of them over and over again. And by the way, I saw Messi at um oh it was it was a hotel he was eating he was eating lunch at a hotel in Redondo wow. Beach, California, um last summer or no it was two summers ago, and he was like he just seemed like larger than life, but yet yeah. he was very subtle, and I. I mm. We were all staring at him because it's, yeah, he's, he, he's that's known a big for one. being a lot more sort of humble when it comes to, and I've got nothing against Ronaldo either. Um, but Ronaldo's more of a, I'm the best sort of, you know, big character. Messi's more yeah. of a, I'd rather just lay low a little. Um, I mean, he does have his ego. I guess if, if you're considered as one of the greatest, you've got to have a bit of ego about you. Right. But Ronaldo's definitely the one that's got more of the ego, more of the sort of. Has to prove something all the time. Yeah. More, more of the the sort of contracts, business contracts, whilst Messi just sort of plays football, does a few things here and there. Ronaldo sure. does everything. Um, okay. Similar to David Beckham, I guess. Anyway, we're getting completely off topic, but uh, that's one sports. of the reasons why I want to, yeah, I know sports. I mean, you did, you mentioned that about how much you love sports. Um, and America is, is such, I mean, that's why I wanted to get you on. I'm, I've said it before on the podcast. I'm so fascinated by American, particularly American sports. But um, I digress. Let's, uh, let's go a little bit sort of um, from, let's go right to the beginning, I guess, is, is sort of what was it like, um, you know, you know, you mentioned earlier on about sort of growing up uh, in the strict Orthodox, you know, household. And it was, you know, you were born in 1977. And so was, that was during sort of the Cold War, wasn't it? You know, by the way, before I say that, I, when I read that you were born in 1977, I was very, very shocked because... When I saw your picture, and then I saw, then I thought, oh no, the picture must be old. Um, but then when she comes on, you know, she, she looked like she's four. But you don't look anything like that. It's it 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 makes you me don't so look mad. Anything like forty-four. I'm I'm, I'm you're, you've definitely aged like way too good. You needed to give me the tips. I'm, <laughs> Thank I'm, you so much. You look the same on the picture, and the, on the picture, I thought you were at least like twenty-five. I really appreciate that. What makes me so mad is International Movie Database, which it's on. That's illegal. They are not supposed to put the birth date on there. And oh, okay. it, it makes people very, very angry. And it's not like I'm, I shouldn't be ashamed of it, 
but because I started entertainment so late, it really bugs me. And then there's a stigma like, like, oh, oh, she's probably too old or she's going to want to get married and settle down. No, I, I feel like I'm 12. So I'm, I'm actually quite angry to, to be yeah. honest with you that that's, that it's out there. Yeah, it shouldn't be get, out there. Yeah, you need to get in contact with someone, find out how It to doesn't it. matter. Like we've tried, we, all of the actresses have tried. It depended on when you got on that website and when you were chosen that the birth date went on there. And I'm just, it makes me so angry. Yeah, I mean, well, I mean, if that, that makes you angry, well, I mean, I can tell you right now, you definitely don't look like you were born in 1977. Uh, Thank you. I, I mean, I... You know, it's a common theme. I get guests that have aged ridiculously well. And I just hope and pray I get to do the same thing. Right now, it's not going so good. I've got a beard. No, you have a baby face, though. You have a baby face, but you just seem mature. You just seem more mature than 19. But again, you grew up in, you know, around London. So it's, you know, there's a little bit different. Yeah, I guess. I mean, no, you look great. Um, And honestly, just wear sunscreen. Just wear sunscreen. Is that the secret? Yep. We don't get that much sun anyway. There's, There's like no... There's, there's no point of us wearing sunscreen anyway. But even it'll come through the window. You're getting it all the time. And that's super aging. And then right, just okay. like dropping the drinking, dropping the smoking. It's people I mean, with life. St- so. Yeah, I don't either. I'm so boring, but it, it's my choice. Yeah, it's, it's great. Yep. Listen, my opinion on drinking is why would you spend money on drinks when you can spend it on dessert? Uh, yes. Thank you. What is it's, your favorite dessert? Oh, no, I can't pick it. Anything that's sweet, I'm eating. If it's sweet, I've got the I've got such a bad sweet tooth. It's ridiculous. I will want I want syrup over everything. <laughs> I'm so bad, and that's why that's another reason I want to go to America because I know Americans have sweet tooths as well. And you got, in America, you have this amazing thing, right? Which disgusts people in Britain, but it works in America. Is you combine savory with sweet for like pancakes with syrup. In here, you can't do that, right? It's it's just wrong. But in America, you can combine sweet. Oh, I just want to go to America and eat the sweet. People do chicken, you know, chicken and waffles. It's a huge yeah, thing here. I know. LA especially. It's brilliant. <laughs> it's the best thing. Or like, like making pan- make it, like instead of burger buns, you use pancakes. It's just, it's the best thing. I can't wait to go to America and try food because it's oh. so good. And it's just, oh, I can't. I'm so excited to have you here. No, we, ha- we have to stay in touch for sure. 100%. You can, you, we'll go to the, the place where there's the best dessert. And I just want to eat and I just want to enjoy America. What everything America has to offer. Yes. And and the the melting pot for desserts would probably be New York and, okay. and LA. For, for, I definitely want to go to New York because I want New York pizza as well. And, and cheesecake. New York bagels. Yes. Oh, and yeah, exactly. All of that. I want all the food. It's going to be great. One. So, Tarek, I've got to tell you, if I were on my deathbed and getting the death sentence, what would be your favorite, what would be your last meal? Number one, it would be definitely sushi. I love sushi, but it would be chocolate molten cake. And it is from like a cheap chain restaurant in America called TGI Fridays. It is this enormous mount and you cut into it and it's just hot fudge that just swarms the plate. And you just like, it it just like, you just want to drip it all over yourself. It's just wonderful. I need it. I need it. We've actually got a TGF, TGI Fridays in, in Manchester, but I've never actually been. Uh, maybe it's, they sell it there. I might be able to actually. And it's it. such a stupid cheap restaurant of all the restaurants, but for some yeah. reason, I, I, and it's like my McDonald's French fries. It's like, you got to have it. Is it, is it that good? Oh, yes. honestly, in, I'm obsessed with it. And, and a lot of people in America dip French fries into vanilla ice cream, just like you said, the yeah. salty and sweet. Yeah. So. I've, done that. I've done that in at McDonald's. Like some people find it weird. 
but I just think it's the best thing ever because it's like it's the salty, salt and sweet, but also the warm and the cold, or hot and cold. Like the opposites, just it just, yes. just works. Similar yes. to modeling and being a bit a businesswoman. Absolutely, got to have a salty and sweet. Your, yeah, exactly. Going back to your story, having uh, you know, opposites attract. They're the best things ever. Um, <laughs> so let's sort of um, let, let's stop getting distracted and get back to sort of get back to you. Um, although I'm sure people are enjoying um, the American British conversation. Um, <laughs> so you, you know, you went to you know, college, like you guys say, we call it university, and you got a, a marketing and international business degree. And then from there, um, you sort of mentioned how you went from corporate world uh, and you became a cheerleader for the Minnesota Vikings. Um, now that's like we sort of said, it's such a huge contradiction. Um, you know, two completely different things businesswoman cheerleader and especially as a cheerleader I think you know, maybe this is a British thing but we we don't have cheerleaders you know our sports teams don't really have that it's I think there's one football Premier League football team that does have it but it's only for like a little bit you guys it seems like every time a team scores or gets uh, what do you call what do you call it in American football like touchdown touchdown that's it we have rugby and there's touchdowns as well but um, so yeah, every time there's a touchdown, the cheerleaders go crazy. That, am I right in saying that? Yeah, but it's all yeah. dancing. I mean, it's just, it's not, we're not just like cheerleaders. It's, it's, oh, it's okay, okay. people, people look at it as like, oh, ee, you know, just with pom-poms. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We train hard. We train yeah. like athletes. We have body fats taken, weights taken. We have to, it's strict parameters bet, yeah. and we're dancing and we have like 40 billion routines that we have to know and memorize and we're always on. So it's not just cheering. We'll do that. That's that's like maybe one percent of what okay. we do. Yeah, compared so, to. I mean, that, that's what I'm talking about. Like we've got everyone's got these misconceptions, especially around cheerleaders and then models as well. And mm-hmm. but you've got, you know, you or oh, Watsi did it. You had this, you know, business degree. Is that common to have sort of cheerleaders and models that have, you know, essentially brains and beauty, which is something that a lot of people wouldn't associate with modeling or with cheerleading. Sure. Well, that's a really good question. And when I got onto the team, the requirements are that you have to be a student, a mother, or have, have an occupation because they don't want dumb girls. I don't want to say dumb girls, but they don't want anybody on the team that, that can't, that is not well-spoken. And, you know, you can have the best dancer, most beautiful girl, but if she can't talk and if she can't work with the public and can't memorize and have, have a conversation, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. They're out. So you have to have kind of the gift of gab, education, um, just be forward thinking, being able to, if, if someone asks you about the team, you have to have some general knowledge of what's going on and you have to know world affairs. If someone comes up to you and talks about Trump, I mean, we don't, we stay out of politics, but just mm. you have to know what's going on in the world. So you yeah. can't really be dumb. Um, so that's tested. And we go through vigorous interview processes as well just to make sure that, you know, we can be, because it's basically public relations for the, for the teams on, on top of it. So. so is that, is that what they, so as a cheerleader, is that what you do? You, do you go around sort of, what, what, what is it that you do outside of, you know, outside of the game itself? A lot of appearances, do? a lot of appearances. Okay. A lot of times we sign autographs and, and speak like we would do um, like a race for the cure, which is a huge breast cancer race. So we're always there supporting Habitat for Humanity, which builds homes for people. Um, you know, just the greater good of, of whatever the charities are, we're there supporting. 
and every time the players, but we always had to stay away from the players. Like for example, I was next to Randy Moss and we were both signing autographs and my Sharpie ran out of ink. So I, I said, Randy, can I, can I take, can I get that other Sharpie? And you handed it to me and I got in trouble because if we're speaking to the player in public and we're mm. on cameras all the time, um, that can look like, are they dating? Ah, okay. Things happen so fast. Yeah. We are never allowed to wear anything branded outside of the stadiums. Um, if we were to go to the grocery store after, after practice, I'm sweaty, yeah. I'm hungry. It's 1130 at night. I have to work in the morning. I'm starving. I'm going to go to the grocery store and pick up some supplies, take off the jacket. I cannot have the jacket on. Plus if I were to look sweaty and I would look, maybe my hair is not, not in place how they yeah. want it. If someone could snap a picture, ESPN, what have you, we get in big trouble. So wow. these are very, very, very strict rules. So, yeah. you, and I, I really, um, in the, a couple of times I got in trouble for things that I really don't, won't get into. I tend to push the envelope with rules sometimes, but um, I learn fast and hard. And we had one girl who was the best dancer on the team. She had been raised as a dancer since she was like two years old. She had dated someone on the team. He was a rookie quarterback. He was like five yeah. string, like way down here. Yeah. And um, they were dating and it was found out and she was kicked off immediately. Wow. She was a captain. She was, but you know, you have to kind of have to have those rules because it's mm. that high end and it's very, very strict. And if you're not willing to put up with the strictness and everything like that, especially the weigh-ins and there's a lot of people that will mm -hmm. not maintain weight. And then there's a lot of problems there. So being in my industry and according to health, um, the eating disorders are very prevalent, you know, it, it, and the, and the food issues. And that's why I wanted to do the podcast on, on fitness, health, and wellness, because it's, it has to be almost a full-time job. Um, I'm writing a book right now on how to break into modeling and be very, very um, successful with yeah. it. And part of, part of some of the chapters are going to be about maintaining and um, you can get kicked off a shoot right away. So there's a lot, a lot of, a lot of pressures and yeah. people, and I have seen past cheerleaders leave the team and all of a sudden they get so strict, sick of that strictness that they'll blow up and, and not, not to be like they're overweight, but yeah. that's a problem because they go, they rebel. I feel very blessed and lucky because growing up the way I did being Russian Orthodox, we have to fast all the time. There's always mm -hmm. fasting. And I never really understood what it was. I understand like you, you take, God first over, over your, you know, everything, yeah. everything else and, and your gluttony and everything like that. And so I was always raised in a strict household with, with, with the food, sometimes actually maybe to the extreme. And my parents are both athletes and my mom's very, very strict with what she eats and she's always mm. been exercising. So it wasn't news to me. And I actually embraced it. I actually like it. I actually like watch things on Marines and watch things on discipline. It actually drives me. Um, so I actually enjoyed it. I enjoyed the weigh-ins, which is really weird. And that, but that would also create a lot of animosity on the team. So that was, that's a big interest of, of my own. So see, again, it's, I never thought I would relate so much to a former NFL cheerleader, a model, a business leader, woman, etc. Well, you're a hot, sense, you're hot, Tarek. 
<laughs> I don't think I'll ever get called that again. <laughs> so I'm gonna clip that up and save it for the rest of my life. Um, I'm, I'm gonna. That's gonna be the trailer for the um, for the, for the uh, awesome. Um, uh, I forgot what I was gonna say. Oh yeah. Um, see, you, you're making me blush now. Um, I forgot what I was gonna say. I'll remember. say it in a better way. Um, you're, you're no, don't, 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 don't. <laughs> um, um. Oh, okay. No, I remember. So it was. I, the reason why I can relate to that is, you know, I'm, I'm, I was born in a Muslim household, strict as well. Uh, not extremely strict, but strict to a certain extent. And definitely strict, in, you know, in, in other people's eyes, especially people that aren't religious. Um, and I fasted as well. So we fast for roughly 30 days every year. I don't know. Is that more or less than Ramadan, what you guys Ramadan, that's, yeah, Ramadan yeah. is huge also. Yeah. Um, so like, it's, it's all through the year. All through. It? Okay. Yeah. How many days would you say is all together in the year, roughly? Oh gosh! Well, it's every every Wednesday and Friday, basically. Um, oh wow! On, so on, certain, that... on certain meats, meats yeah. and and dairy, and always during Lent. That's the yeah. forty days we don't touch meat or dairy during Lent. Oh. My grandfather was so strict uh, that he would put orange juice on his on his breakfast cereal for breakfast, so he didn't touch it. Um, oh. We also can't have any breakfast or anything to eat from midnight on to take communion. And we cannot take communion unless we go to confession first. Whereas a lot of other ones, you can just, it's like a free for all. You can take communion. Yeah. I would not be allowed to take communion anywhere else. Um, and someone coming in to ours can't take communion. And people would be very offended by that. Like, what do you mean? We can take communion at our church. Well, no, you can't here. So wow. I kind of like the exclusivity of yeah. it. Um, and I don't mean to be like a snotty about it. Like, oh, we don't welcome people. But we're not evangelist. We're not evangelist type of religion. Um, whereas some people are, and it's interesting because as of late, since I've gotten into my, I had an injury, people are always inviting me to their Bible studies. And I'm like, I don't do Bible study. I don't okay. congregate and talk about, that's just not what we do. And, yeah. and, and I finally had to say like, listen, I, you know what? I love you guys. Thank you so much. That's very kind of you. That's not my thing. I don't, mm. I don't, I don't, it was, so it's been interesting. You don't but, sort of like, uh, just to explain sort of evangelism, you don't sort of promote your religion with the people and invite them in that sense. Yeah. Yep. And when people come in, they don't just come in and join the church. You've got to take a lot of, it's almost like Judaism where you've got to yeah. take all those classes. And I'm sure with Muslim too. And we always kind of look at people like, it's not like we don't welcome people, but it's like, usually you're born into it. Usually it's mm. kind of a, a religion yeah. like, like Muslim basically, you know, it's, it's well, sort of a culture. Yeah. I mean, I think, unlike sort of um orthodox christianity and judaism with islam it's very easy to become a muslim you can be very you can and i guess there's pros and cons to, to both sides with those all you've got to do is is say it's it's called the shahada which is uh you basically all you've got to do is say i bear witness that there is none worthy of worship except god and uh that muhammad peace be upon him is the final messenger if you say that sentence you're automatically a muslim and then from then you learn you know how to be a better muslim and that sort of a process that you have throughout your whole life uh you know you learn how to read the quran etc cetera, etc cetera, and that's a process Whilst are you I like with, baptized or anything like that no not but i mean i guess you could call that shahada the baptism but you don't really have anyone sort of giving you know a cross on your forehead or anything like that or you know you know, submerging in the water um sure. or anything someone? like that it's yeah <laughs> drowning someone yeah no um uh yeah we don't have anything like that. like so you could be on your own and you could just say it to you, like, say, say you're someone that's, you know, you're looking, you know, you want to become a Muslim, but you don't have a mosque nearby you. You could just say it to yourself and you're a Muslim now. 
and you can go, you know, and it's, you know, completely okay. And I know you guys, you said that there's sort of an exclusivity when it comes to the church. Whilst with us, whether you're a Muslim or not, you can walk, you, you should be able to walk into any mosque. Some people are a bit weird and strict, but it, when it comes to the Quran itself, it, you know, and, and the Islamic teachings, you are allowed to just walk into a mosque, whether you're a Muslim or not. Uh, if you want to ask a question, you can ask a question. I've had teachers, one of my old uh, religious teachers in school, he, 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 he used to go into mosques all the time and just, just, you know, take pictures, ask questions, and he loved it. Um, you're allowed to do that. Um, so I guess that's sort of the difference there. Um, sorry, I'm, I'm so off. surprised. That's so interesting. But mm -hmm. like I myself, if I were to say that statement and then walk into a mosque, I would feel very, very disrespectful mm -hmm. with my bun and my, my little white puffy jacket. I would not. Can people just walk in? Yeah. Like so, I mean, there are uh, there are sections to the mosque. So if you're if you're male, there's the male section. If you're female, the female section. We so used to have that. Yeah. So obviously, you know, you wouldn't walk into the. I mean, you could just walk into the male section and the, I was, a man might you know, sort of go, oh, the female. You know, I would with my there. handshake. I would do that with <laughs> yeah, my handshake. exactly. Uh, and he, he might direct you or he might. I think we did have on one occasion, there was a woman that came in once and wanted to learn more. And I think we were all praying and she just sort of stood in the back. Uh, and then the imam, who is the leader of the, of the prayer, he just sort of came over to her and said, oh, are you okay? You know, would you like some help? Uh, because there was no one in the female section. So he couldn't, you know, take her over there. They just sure. sort of said, oh, I can help you out. I can answer any questions that you might have or blah, blah, blah. So you can, it's, it's, it's a lot, you know, it's a lot more open than, than Judaism and Orthodox Christianity in that sense. Interesting. Um, and I've, I've studied sort of, um, I've been lucky enough to study uh, religion in school. So like different, sure. you know, different types of religions as well. Christianity was one of them, Judaism, et cetera, et cetera. I did it at, um, at a fairly high level. So I, I don't do it for my degree, but before the level of the degree, which in, which in, England we call A-levels I did it for that um, which was always sort of very interesting, interesting. yeah I, I, Turk, I don't want to be taken out of context people can still visit our church it's just yeah, like yeah. not like take communion and do all of that stuff yeah, yeah, and they can't just course, join yeah. like that you can't just join like like yep. that essentially yep. um, unlike with Islam it's a little bit easier and again there's pros and cons to both you know yeah. what I mean um, like I said in Islam you can do it in 10 seconds sure. uh, you can equally lose your faith in 10 seconds as well you know, if you, uh, it's, there's a lot of ways where you can, you know, essentially lose, you know, the status of being a Muslim. Um, very easy. Anyway, so again, we're, we're getting no, distracted. Super interesting. I love, I love conversations like this. Thank you for that. Um, so from being a cheerleader for the uh, Minnesota uh, Vikings, it was, um, and you ended up going into modeling. Um, and you, uh, am I right in saying you were a cheerleader whilst you were doing the corporate business stuff? Just corporate, corporate America at the same time as the cheerleading. We were not allowed to take any modeling jobs or anything like that. I got uh, in big trouble because, you know, the, you know, boxing, hmm. I was a ring card girl. So I oh, got okay. hired as a ring card girl. I got in the biggest trouble, not allowed to do that. Not allowed because so it's many rules, so many rules. So that would be considered sort of, um, just too sexy, too sexy. And that does not we have to maintain sort of the girl next door, all American happy. Yeah. And they did not look, they, even though it was a great boxing match, it was for like HBO, hmm. not allowed. And I got in big trouble for that. Wow. So you cannot, if you were to take a modeling job, it has to be approved by okay. the coaches. And so at that point, I didn't have time. I didn't have two minutes to sleep. So okay. I wasn't able to do that. But I started getting scout the thing is i was scouted as a child for modeling oh. my mom it was it happened in a mall when i was younger 
my mom said, absolutely not. She, Cause she was Orthodox Christian. Yep. That. And just like, she basically said, I don't want my daughter to turn into a little bitch. So wow. that, and, and it was, and same as pageants because they reach out to me. Do you want to be in a pageant? Like beauty pageants, like, you know, this type of thing, mm. but not allowed, not allowed. It was also very expensive. And my mom wasn't able to drive me to shoots and things like yeah. that. So it wasn't, and I look back and I was so angry at that point. Cause I'm like, why can't I do that? Looking back now, and this is going to be part of my book. Um, I don't, I wouldn't have been ready. And with the amount of pressures and pedophilia for kids, I don't recommend it unless yeah. the parents are super strong and they're watching everything, you know? So I guess I just, I'm mm. a firm believer in maybe wait to the point that they can make their own decisions because I, even in acting here, I'll go to auditions or, mod or modeling castings and the parents will be, anybody under 18 has to be with a parent. You, sometimes you see these kids playing with their video games and the mother always wanted to go in an entertainment. So she's like pushing your kid, no, yeah. memorize your lines. And it's so sick. It's it so is, sick. Yeah. And Horrible. the kids are miserable. And some genuinely love it. And they're mm. prodigies and they're amazing. But I, I don't, I think a child should be a child. And especially in this day with social media, yeah. there's just too much, too much. There's, there's less time these days, especially right now, there's less time to be a child now. It's yeah. like you're sort of, because of, I mean, you're a child, but you're not child in the traditional sense where you're out and about. Because even, even when I look at my younger siblings, I go, mate, when I was your age, and it wasn't, it's not like, I, I'm saying it as if I'm 40 years old, but I'm only 19. But and they're like, happened you know, fast. Yeah, so it's they're only like 12 years younger than me. And I think when I was your age, I was going outside. I was in the garden all day, you know, and it's not like I was playing with other kids. I was by myself, you know, using my imagination playing with, you know, finding bricks and, you know, making little houses or, you know, getting my toys and fixing them, breaking them, fixing them, you know, just doing whatever. There's no, you know, tablets weren't a thing. Whilst, you know, I'm looking at my little brother and my little sister and, you know, they're on their tablets and other kids as well. I, I went, I was in, I was in a supermarket actually. And this, it was just recently, I was in the supermarket and I think you had, the, you know, you had the mom that was pushing the, uh, the trolley and then you had her two kids both just walking on their phones. And I thought, imagine like you're going to a supermarket can you not just leave your phone at home do, do, do your kids really need the phone to like stay calm absolutely I, just, I find it so fascinating it's a big big problem and mm. i think that kids are getting very antisocial. Yeah. um and and it's a it's just and there's and they're also ultra sexual sexualized for example yeah. i tried i tried to go for a walk yesterday um and there was this very voluptuous woman and she was wearing a gold lame dress with her, you know, breasts hanging out mm. and looked very, very kind of, a, we could say sleazy, I must say. Yeah. And I wouldn't- These, these are that. your words, not mine. If okay. I said this, I'd get, well, I'd get in trouble, she, but okay. She was bonafide and she okay. had a set of twin girls. And I noticed, and I walked by and I waved at the girls because they looked miserable. They had to take Instagram shop, shots of their mother. They were like eight wow. years old. She was literally bending over with really sexualized poses. Oh, it's like the, the wow. kids had just gotten done with school. They had their little backpacks on. And when I waved, they were like super identical. And, and they just kind of both had this like miserable smile, like, hey. Mm. And I just was so embarrassed. And I took like a screenshot with my eyes. I'm like, oh my God, this is just terrible. Mm. But and I, and that's an extreme case. But why should they be doing that? 
And then yeah, they're going to get hypersexualized as young girls as well. And, and they're seeing their mother do that. And maybe she's on a dating website or some porn website trying to mm. like, I just can't. There's See, so many problems with that. It's, it's so interesting, uh, especially coming from, from your perspective, because I think most people would have assumed, well, you're a model. Surely you should be all over this. Like this Models idea of- are, there's a different line. There's yeah. a line when you say model or dancer, there's a, there's a gray yeah. area for both. I bet, yeah. But I, I think, that, again, it's another assumption. And again, another reason why I wanted to get you on is to hear more, you know, what is the reality of, of modeling, et cetera. Because everyone's got the assumptions, you know, dumb blonde girl, uh, all, you know, probably couldn't do well in school and so dropped out and then she ended up getting a job. You know, all these sort of assumptions. And, you know, yeah. you're, you're breaking every single one of them down so far. Uh, and I'm getting, I'm actually getting such a, a much more appreciation of, you know, especially right now, you know, because we're on the cheerleading side of things you know cheerleaders and, and the restrictions because if you if you, let's say you didn't tell me the title cheerleader and you said there's this one person who can't do this can't wear branded clothing can't be sweating outside can't be uh, dating um people that she works with or people that are kind of work with her i can't do that i'd be thinking she probably is some you know some really famous businesswoman or she's probably an athlete or you know something like that i would have never guessed cheerleader and it, it i think it's making me appreciate that job role a lot more because it requires academic, it requires being able to talk, something that not everyone can do, you know, it's very underrated being able to talk, and it also requires a lot of professionalism to a degree that most jobs, you know, wouldn't even go to that extent. If you work at most jobs, maybe dating in the workplace is frowned upon, but you won't get sacked for it. Right. Whilst in here, you, you would actually get fired for dating someone, for dating someone. It's which because is it's high profile, and you're yeah. on camera all the time. There are cameras in the in the practice facilities. You know, every on any given Tuesday, people could come in from CBS Sports, NBC Sports, doing interviews. A bunch of cheerleaders walk by. If they look like, if they look like hell, mm. it can't happen. We have we, every practice we had to show up with our hair long down, full makeup. I hate oh. wearing makeup, Tarek. I hate wearing. You don't makeup. need it, Anne. You don't need it. Well, you look amazing you. without it. I just hate it, and. But we had to have full red lips, full lashes, everything, every day. Wow. So, because if you look haggard or if you look bad, that they snap a photo and they put mm. it, they put it in the, in the thing. One girl just got in trouble for wearing lingerie in her Instagram photo. She was, t- she was uh, taken off the team. Philadelphia Eagles. Wow. Her own Instagram. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. It's a so, it's so sort of fascinating because there's this one side where everyone sort of thinks, these girls are, you know, sexualized, you know, they're allowed to, they're allowed to show whatever they want, they can do whatever they want, etc. But then there's this other side, which is so strict. And you, you think that they're all, you know, these, you know, these girls, they get to dance for a living, they get to travel all the world, they get to hang around with, you know, football players and sports people, it must be great, and whatever. But, and it might seem like it's, you know, so much freedom, but there's so many restrictions, my mind is actually blown as to how many restrictions there are on these people. Like, and surely mentally that must be so exhausting for whoever you are, you know, whether you're a mother or whether you're a student, that must be so draining, the fact that there's, you know, these coaches that have such a hold on your life, even outside of the job. Yeah. And a lot of people can't handle that. And, mm. and when you sign up for that, it, it is, there's a, there's a show that might be very interesting if, if your listeners would ever want to watch it. It's called uh, Making the Team. And it's about the Dallas Cowboys cheerleaders. And it's a documentary and it is absolutely fascinating. 
and it will go through, um, it goes through the process. You can see everything. You can see exactly what they, what we go through. So it's called, yeah. it's Dallas Cowboys cheerleaders making the team. I'll definitely check that out. Because Dallas is the number one most recognized because they're the oldest and, and uh. Jerry Jones just has more money than God. Um, <laughs> it, it, it's so those two leaders are very, um, front and center. Cause that's like the, it's almost like the Yankees of, of mm. that, for the, for the cheerleading side. So w- watching that documentary and there's several seasons, I think they just did season 15 during COVID. Um, so it just, you'll see, you'll see, uh, just the strictness of, of that. Yeah, no. So, I mean, uh, just to sum up that period of your life, what was that like sort of, you know, you're cheerleading your distress as well, but also, you know, you're doing something pretty amazing in the sense that all eyes are on you sometimes at one point, you know, all eyes will be on you. You know, you're, you get into, you get, you're getting paid to go to these football games, which I bet 99% of Americans would love, you know, get paid to go to the football games. Right. Um, you know, what, what was that experience like? If we were to talk about the money side, that's a huge controversy in America. Um, in fact, there were, there've been lawsuits nailing the NFL for, for unfair practices for the cheerleaders. But you know, it's, to me, it's like, you knew what you signed up for. I mm. hate to say it, but you knew what you signed up for. I love and how straightforward you are. It's yeah, so interesting. I just get sick. I get sick of BS. Like, okay. don't BS me and, and don't complain. Don't be, don't be like entitled. And, and I know that we work, we work our butts off and that is true. They work their butts off. But if you want to be on that level, you got to pay the piper because a lot of people are looking at it as a stepping stone. And a lot of people sometimes want to be sports reporters. So, hey, this is then, then you look at this as an internship. Stop bitching about it. Get, learn the job. Don't talk about the fact that you want to be a sports reporter, but learn, learn, and then grow from that. Take it as a stepping stone in a launch platform. If you hate it that bad, resign. A million girls would kill for your spot. And if you're not willing to put up with it, it's like, you know, when you're in the top 2% elite, you got you to gotta keep up. Yeah. And so I just feel like, I don't like entitlement. I don't like people feeling that they're owed something. However, the cheerleaders should be paid more money. They really should. Yeah. But if you don't, if you think it's unfair in the beginning, then don't try out because you take other, other people's spots. So use it for what it is. It's a launch platform. You get paid to work out. You get paid to tan. You get a, a ton of free stuff, ton of free perks, unbelievable networking, free gym, mm. everything. You know, so I wow. guess it's just. So is, that, just is that what you saw it as? Did you see it as a, as a platform? I did. Yeah. So as a springboard into modeling, was that the sort of always the idea? It was more idea? of an introduction into entertainment because it's ah, like, okay. this is what I'd love to do. And I'd always wanted to dance and perform. And, and then I just realized, I just gained confidence from it. You know, what, what, did, what did your mom think of it when you find, when you got into the, the cheerleading team? She really couldn't believe it. She's like, oh my God, I just wasn't prepared for this much, this much, you know? Mm. And when she went to a game, she's like, I'm, I'm pretty impressed, but she didn't like, didn't like the sexualization of it, I, yeah. I guess I would say. And the fact that it was too sexy, um, it was a little bit of a problem. And I was, my, my biggest worry was my grandfather. And then I, when he put my poster up, the poster of the team in his, he's a, he's a doctor as well in his medical, in in his home office. I was like, I was so, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And I couldn't believe it. I just thought I never would have thought you would have been okay with this, you know, but that must've been the sort of, I've got my approval there. 
not that yeah. you needed the approval, but sort of you wanted that approval. And to get it from your grandfather, who one would have Ultimate been extremely religion. traditional, yeah, yeah, ultimately religious, extremely traditional, and also as uh, you know, he would he's a man, so he would have you know been like very protective over his granddaughter. He would have been like you know no, she can't do that, she can't do this, you know, especially with the religion side of things. And yeah. so to for him to go, you know, it's fine. That must have been like, well, if my granddad is saying it's fine, then it is clearly fine. Right. Um, wow. That's, well, it's that's... cool because he had rebelled. I learned that he had rebelled because oh. his family wanted him to not learn English. They wanted him to stay on the farm. And, and it was like, he taught himself English basically in high school. Um, and so then his whole family went on to become doctors, engineers, the whole, the whole nine. So yeah. they were like, so he had rebelled. He also forged his mom's signature because he wanted to fight in the military. And wow. she was like, uh-uh. Um, and she, he forged her signature. So he himself rebelled as religious as he was. So I think he had an so, appreciation. Yeah, I think he probably saw you as a sort of, you know, I think he saw himself in you in that yeah. sense. He was mm -hmm. like, like, yeah, rebel, go against it a little, you know, even on the religious side of things, just go against sort of what other people say. Yeah. Just do you. I, that's brilliant. Um, so moving on from that, going into modeling, you went, uh, you mentioned that you went to New York. Uh, was that the first time you'd gone to New York? First time. Yeah. Uh, so you've gone into New York and this is mental. So you've gone in, you've got no job. You've got this modeling contract though. Um, and then you ended up getting, so you got a part-time job there or a side job as well. I, uh, I spent, I spent, I made it my full-time job to get a job just to be yeah. like, cause my apartment was like four, like 4,500 bucks in Soho. Like I, I had a posh ass apartment. Like it just was like, yeah. Okay, you got to figure this out now and yeah. stop saying hello to the people and the cockroaches. Don't say hello to the cockroaches. You're not that friendly. <laughs> you know? So um, I, I just, I, I went mm. to, I, I, one of the jobs was six interviews and I, I got the job and, and I just Brilliant. Yeah. From there, figured it out. And what, so what, how, how is that different from what you were doing as a cheerleader? You know, I, I was able, actually, I, I was able to slow down in New York City. Okay. My, my life was so insane that I actually got a breather going from a small wow. area to, 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 to New York. I mean, it was the same adrenaline level. Yeah. And then I realized how much, how much I had to toughen myself up. Mm. So, and I'll never forget this for the, for the, for the NFL, when you're on cameras and you're in a huge stadium, they put a lot of colors in your hair. So it's streaked with different like sh shades of blonde, because if you were like whip your hair on camera, you, you, you look like a lemon head as a blonde, you look like a, you look like right. a lemon. And so it has to be multifaceted. The more colors, the better it looks on camera. So we right. always had streaks in our hair and I had moved to New York and they're like, why do you look like a skunk? Yeah. You look like a skunk. <laughs> and so That's I'm like, exactly oh. what I'd imagine New York is to say. Oh yeah. And then they're like, do you have, do you have um, running bathrooms where you're from? They thought I was the biggest hick and I had to like completely do another handshake. Yeah. No, you know, so it, it was, it was interesting transition. Wow. And yeah. so do you, do you feel like as a model, you got that freedom that you just weren't given as a cheerleader. Now you could sort of, you know, you could post whatever you wanted now, or you could date whoever you wanted almost. And you had more of a sort of, you were more in a, in a more of a stronger position to stand up for yourself. Absolutely. And there were dangers on that. And it was, it was the Mecca, it's the Mecca mm. of modeling. It's the Mecca of, of fashion photographers and you can get in a lot of trouble. And I found myself in situations where I'm very damn lucky I got out of 
um, just because it's just such a, it's a vulnerable industry where every where people love to go into. And a lot of people take that as, you know, I'm going to take her for something, you know? Yeah. And it wasn't always like that. And I had, I've had wonderful experiences for the most 98% positive, but there have been times where people have crossed the line big time. I've been asked, do you want to sue this person? And it's like, you know what? I know what I could get. I, I could get yeah. pressed like crazy, but it's just like, yeah, I'm not going to, I'm not going to tarnish my family that way, yeah. but I've had some major things happen. And, uh, and that's why I want to write a book on just warning, warning, you know, it's very glamorous on the outside, very yeah. glamorous, same as acting, same as the cheerleading. Um, mm. But modeling has, has a lot of bad things that, that can go wrong really quickly. If you don't mind me asking, what, what are some of those bad things then? You know, I, I, I'm afraid to like, I, I'm certainly not going to say any names, but this is a mm. huge, huge, huge company. And I was modeling for them and the designer, and he was pretty high up. He was like, had taken over the company. His family was very wealthy. He was larger than life. People were scared of him. And I had, I was modeling their jeans line and he was adjusting. He was pretending to adjust and he stuck his hand oh, down the back. Right. Okay. And I immediately froze up, immediately froze up. And I looked at, I looked at the style uh, the women's stylist in the yeah. wardrobe and I just was in shock. And she, and, and the girl's like, like that. And she goes like that. And, and wow. when he walked away, I, I was like shaking. I'm like, I can't believe that just happened. And, and they're like, don't talk about it. Don't talk about it. Forget it. Yeah. Wow. Just let, it, let it go. Let it go. And I, I was like, it, I had to go back in the dressing room and I was like hyperventilating. Like it was just crazy. It was just so, it was so vigorous, so aggressive and scary. Mm -hmm. And I just didn't ever want to portray myself in that, in that light. But that was how easy that was done. You're nothing to me. You are a figurine. You are, you are a statue. You are a mannequin. Mm. I will violate in whatever way I want and put up with it. And I, I just, I never went back to that job. Uh, the next, it was, um, yeah. I finished out the contract, but because I think it was a four day contract, but when I was done and it's, it, it's just funny because two years ago, the guy that I was dating at the time, he said, well, karma's karma's a bitch, isn't it? The guy got his company got sued. Um, it was a lot of unfair practices within yeah. the workplace, things like that. They didn't, they didn't mention sexual harassment, but you could read between the lines of what yeah, of course, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, is, see, you this sort of uh, you know, and I'm and I'm glad uh, there's more sort of women coming out and speaking about it. Um, you know, with the Me Too movement, etc. But um, you're tarnished. Yeah, because yeah. it's. It, I think, and I'm not saying. Oh, I, I think the point that I want to sort of make there is sort of. I think when 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 women hear it or when women experience it. I think for them, it's like, how could a man do that? And it's disgusting. Whilst for a man, it's like, how could, because I am a guy as well, I could go, I would never even dream of doing something like that. So who, what gives you the right? Because as a woman, you could almost justify it and go, well, that's what men do. But as a man, I know man, men don't do that. A lot of girls do that. Yeah. And, and it's, it's, it's not what men do. It's definitely not what men do. And that, that's the point that I'm trying to make is, okay, as a woman, you might be able to justify it. But as a man, you can't justify another man doing that because you know, as a man, that's not what you do. As a boy, you, that's you not what don't. you do. 
a lot yeah. of guys do. And a lot of women do. There's a lot yeah. of women harassment on men as well. So again, mm. I want to make sure that no one, I, I love men. I, I yeah. support and love men, but yeah, yeah. it's, it's, um, goes without saying, cause I could, you could come across, I, what I'm saying, I could come across as like a, you know, fear, a feminist and yeah. in the way that I support women and support men. It's, you, it, you don't want to come across as a man hater. Which absolutely not. Absolutely not. Um, yeah. And I think when people do come across as a man hater, uh, or a misandrist, to use the, the the real term, you end up sort of uh, diminishing the the real problems. So, yeah. like when you complain about the little problems all the time, where, which are, might not necessarily be problems, then the real ones, such as the the case that you had, will they'll they'll be they'll be you'd be you know, they'll be considered as nothing. Yeah. And it's it's so sad to see because you see that often because in rather than um you know the the right things getting attention stories like that which should get attention you get these little ones that get attention and then people start thinking oh yeah it probably doesn't happen it's, it's so just these little now. things it doesn't mm. the big ones don't it mean absolutely nothing after a while so the big yeah. ones just don't don't get the media attention they deserve yeah. one so i mean i i'm still baffled by the sort of that that story because again like you hear it on the news and you know you, you know yeah, you hear it on the news and you're disgusted by it all, but to hear it from someone that's experienced it and was told, you know, by other women, not men, but by other women, just, you know, shut yeah. up and get on with it. Um, it's just, it's just, it, it's, it's incredible. Like as, as, as being in that position, well, you know, how, how, how did you feel when, when a woman was telling, because you were at that moment, and I'm sorry to sort of put you back in that position almost, oh, but okay. at that moment, you, you probably looked at those women for a bit of help, like, for them to come and you know push him away or something and they just sort of didn't do anything just went shut up the way that, that they it's almost like the way that they behaved was like this has happened a billion times mm -hmm. so they were almost prepared for it and i looked at them and i thought you know i almost felt bad for them because here they are slaving away basically for this horrible horrible man that but because they probably want to be in the fashion business and this is a very high company they would, they were just like willing to sell their souls, but you, you don't, you really don't. Sometimes you just have to put up with things to get to a level, you know? And it's just like, and I look at the entertainment business, people have said, you have to sell your soul to the devil to get to a certain level. And I, I know where I could be if I could have, if I would have done, and things are changing, things are getting better, Yeah. but the old school is still the old school, you know? Yeah. And it's just, and uh, we have a lot further to go, but I looked at these women like, I'm, I'm sorry. And I hope that this is worth it to you. Um, and I kind of a little bit lost respect for them, but then again, that's their choice. And, yeah. and they're, maybe they're, they want those careers and I, who knows their backstory and I shall not judge. So, but mm. I just couldn't wait to finish the contract and get out of there. If you, if, if you could go back, would you have said something to the, to the guy? At that time I wasn't prepared. Okay. Now I would be like, but I mean, do, you, do you wish that, okay. So say for example, you're still the same age, you know, everything's the same, but mentally you're what you are now, you, you know, you're strong enough. Would you have, or do you, would, would you have said it if you know what I yes, mean? Yes. Yes. Because yeah. something happened, something happened shortly thereafter. And I told the guy off cause it, it was almost like still that was other, that other one was in my head. This other person berated me so badly that he wanted me to, it was more of a PR modeling job where it was an event where I had to be the speaker and speak on camera and I was in heels and things like that. And he said, 
and it was a chef company. So it was a very high end lobster company that I had to speak for. And he said, I want you to put bibs on guys and, and kiss them, kiss them with a lobster and then kiss them, like, like kiss them near them. I'm like, that's not what this was. And I called my, I called my agent and I said, I'm sorry, but this is not really what, what, you know, what, what the contract was about. And she said, and I, and he braided me so badly. And I finally said, you know what? And I, I hated to say this, but I said, there, there are prostitutes on the street down there. I said, you can certainly hire one of those girls because I'm, I'm, I'm no longer going to work from you. I may terminate myself right now. I was shaking all the way home as I was driving home. I cried. I called the agent and she's like, you know what? Call it a wash. Don't even worry about it. She, you could tell she was a little mad. She yeah. hadn't been there, but I just, I don't put up I, and you can smell it a mile away. And, mm. uh, and sometimes you're, you're on a shoot where it's overseas and you are, you're pretty much stuck, but you yeah. just have to kind of own it. You know, that's happened a couple of times too, where it's like, and I, I, I will not go into those, but you're stuck. You're very stuck. Yeah, no, I bet, especially if it's in like somewhere that you've never been before and, you know, yeah. your are you know, it's not like you've got millions and millions of pounds where you can just go around and just get a fly and get out. You Absolutely. Know, you've, you've not a clue what you're doing. And so, of course, yeah. that's sort of almost an incentive to go, right, I'll just deal with it and not take this job offer again or whatever. Um, but, I mean, you didn't. Um, and uh, you sort of slightly mentioned it, and I, 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 I want to hear more about it because I don't think it gets recognition is, when we were talking about sort of you know har- harassment against women in the workplace, particularly in modeling, acting, etc., um, you mentioned sort of women on men um, harassment. Can you tell me a bit more it. about that? Um, I've never been privy to it. I've never seen it in the flesh, but I look at a lot of some 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 women can abuse that power as well, whether they just be ultra masculine or whether they be really attracted to the person. And sometimes, you know, that offers on the table. Well, if you do this and, and I have not seen it, but I've had a lot of guys have to either put up with it by other men or some women. So, but it's more so males with males if Mm. the males get it, but it does happen with the women as well. And women can be very mean to women too. There's been some sets where you'll be treated like absolute crap. Um, sometimes by wardrobe stylists, if you are a size extra small and they'll give you an extra large and it doesn't fit and they'll be nasty to you because you better just, just wear it, you know? Um, but you know, I, I just always find taking the higher road, taking Mm -hmm. the higher road. And sometimes you really have to eat your pride and eat some humble pie. And, and, um, because it's like, if you want, if you want this, and again, and there are so many positives. I don't mean to sit there and downtrod the entertainment business or anything yeah, yeah, like that. It's just, it's just interesting synopsis. And if, and if, and if your listeners prefer to hear, you know, the, the other side of the glam, this is, these are the real truths. Yeah. So. Well, that's why, again, that's why I wanted to get you on is, is to hear more about the, the, the industry and, and sort of get more of a, for me personally, get more of a personal insight to it because I can read it online and hear someone else do the interview and whatever but I wanted to ask the questions myself and the questions that I can think of and respond you know naturally to everything that you said and like you know like I've mentioned before I'm I'm completely shocked by it all um and because and you know you said you didn't want to um sort of make out as if the entertainment industry is this horrible place what would you say are sort of the unseen benefits of being 
in that position? I know traveling is, is a big thing for you. Um, maybe you can talk a bit more about that because I've never traveled. I wanted to always travel. I can't wait for COVID to be over, save enough money yeah. and just go out there and explore and Definitely. come to that diner, TGI Fridays it, for that molten cake thing. Yeah, so, which is like so nothing compared to the other ones in America. You got to go to New York. Um, I would say, I mean, it's just, it, it is a a grandiose smorgasbord of, of, of wonderful things. I mean, the networking, every time you go on a shoot, I've taught myself, get a, come away with three people that you can either help or you can collaborate with, or you can learn something from. Um, Cause these people are brilliant. You get to work with brilliant stylists and photographers and editors and, and publicists and what a better way to network. And also it's a high, you know, it's almost like I don't do, do drugs anymore. Um, and I just like, even for the NFL coming out of a stadium, out of a tunnel with 60,000 roaring fans, you, there's nothing more exhilarating than that. There's nothing more exhilarating than, and sometimes being on a runway in a runway mm. show in New York, where there's like every camera and the music's just pumping and you just feel like, and you're just being in heels and stomping that it just it feels wonderful yeah. you feel like you're walking on air and it's just it's very powerful it's very empowering um and sometimes you know we go after these additions we go in like six to ten times and we don't get the role and then you do get the role and it's like oh my god you just ever it's just like it's a win and it's it, you can't if you're signing up for it to make money um or to get fame and notoriety you're in the wrong business because there are not everybody is on the Super Bowl team, but there's other super, but there's other football players. So you've got to really look at it and take it for what it's worth. And just for the love of fashion and 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 when the fit and then there's fitness, like there's so many different segments to modeling. I mean, I've made more on my hair and sometimes they just use me as a body. So I will go in, I'm a body double and they will just use my body for an actress that may not feel comfortable with her body or doesn't have like the right look or something like yeah. that. And they'll use, you know, they'll superimpose everything. And so again, I've, I've made, I've kind of considered a body model. So, um, but I've also done beauty and there's so many different segments, beauty, hair, runway, the, the, the Mecca is like the editorial and, and, and those, those girls are usually sometimes very alien like, and they're like six foot three or six foot two mm -hmm. and just gone. So that's that style of modeling. Whereas I would be considered not that, you know, I can do editorial and I've, a lot of my pictures, I can go, I consider myself, my, my superpower in modeling is to be a chameleon. I can look so many different ways. I can ah, okay. look like, like a, like a heroin addict. I can look like a complete heroin addict in a black and white photo, the way I pose mm. and I'm quite lean. So, and then I have really straight hair so I can just bring it down and pop the cheekbones while I'm just cutting water for the day. You know, that's a lot of tricks that we do. You don't, you don't drink a lot of this on a shoot day. Um, unless it's a fitness job, you know, just a lot of things. Okay. Cause then they get striation. Ah, okay. I see. Mm -hmm. Cup of salt. Yeah. Yep, no so French just fries. Get salt already. Yeah. No French fries. Yeah. Yeah. That's mad. Um, especially in America. There's so many food places. Again, we're getting back to food. I'm getting distracted <laughs> again. Um, you mentioned, Anytime you want to talk about it. I can't, I can't not ask about this because you said, and I'm going to quote you here. Um, I don't do drugs anymore. Okay. So I want to know. What sort of drugs have you been doing on McDonald's? You know, I went through a stage in New York. I'll just be honest. I went mm. through a stage in New York where I was a bona fide alcoholic. I truly did. I truly lived that lifestyle for a little while. 
And my, my, my poison was both vodka and Jack Daniels. I loved Jack Daniels. Mm. And I smoked. I smoked Marlboro Reds and I smoked the, and I also smoked the non-filters that we would get from Europe. Um, and then I just, I just remember being on a, on a, it just is like, look, it's like a movie looking back, but I was like on a rooftop um, penthouse in New York city and I'd done Coke, you know, and it just, and I was, it was just, I was on the top and I think it was standing it's and there's a scene in Forrest Gump. It's an American movie where Robin Wright Givens is on the top. And it's like, it was, it's exactly where, what I was doing. And I was lost. There was, there was a time where I'm not proud. I'm not proud of those things that, mm. that I delved into, but it made me who I am today. Yeah. You know, I was going to say, yeah. And there's a lot of things besides that, that I won't get into, but I experimented and I was curious. And when you come from a small town, I think, and you're that curious and you're that ambitious and you're that driven, um, you, you really are fascinated by some of the dark side, um, mm. not meaning dark in a racist way, just sort of the, sort of the, the more evil side yeah, of yeah, yeah. certain things. Cause it's fascinating. And when you're brought up so strictly, you want That's it the thing, yeah. and you want the exposure. And I'm so glad that I did. I, I would not take I don't think I would take any of it back. I really wouldn't mm. um, because it made you learn from it as well. You do. And you, and you are, are able to have sympathy. Yeah. I look at a lot of women now that I used to think, why don't you, why don't you have a college degree? Why mm. would you stay with that guy? I've seen too many things now where it's like, I understand that that woman's trapped yeah. and, and I would do anything in my world to help her. And I, cause I've been in relationships with very powerful men and the glass, the, the glass, house at the top of the hill and you're and you're driving your Porsche is not as it appears and you are earning these things and yeah. I understand and I would never judge anybody for their childhood their upbringing what they've been exposed to thou shalt not judge and I used to be judgmental and I'm mm. really glad the experiences that I've, that I've had I wouldn't take those yeah back. I think because you've had so many different experiences in different jobs in different sectors uh you know good experiences bad experiences that sort of has you know made you into a, a well-rounded person in that sense because you can relate to quite literally anyone um and for a, for a podcast host that that's very helpful as well because it means you know your story which you know if i i would have never thought i could relate to you know i mentioned before i could never relate to a, a form model but there's elements of your life because of the so many things that you've done that i can relate to as well um and i think that that that's almost part of life, I guess, is, is to experiment as much as possible, not just for your own benefit, but also so that you don't judge other people for, you know, different sort of things. Because I think as society, we are becoming essentially more judgmental because of social media and stuff like that. We see little things, you know, for example, like, you know, a lot of people would have judged models, you know, cheerleaders, etc. especially in the UK where we don't have, you know, cheerleaders and stuff. Sure. The, the assumption is, you know, you're a dumb blonde that's only there because you look good, you know, and I don't mean to be rude, but that is the assumption. Oh, absolutely. And it's, you know, and just being able to say that you were in that position, you can learn that, oh, well, no, it's not. Or being, you know, me having the privilege of, of, of interviewing you, I can learn that. That's and that's, that's what's really fun because you can really mm -hmm. turn people's minds around. People are like, sometimes people are like, oh my God, I didn't expect you to like talk like that. Like yeah. I get that a lot. I didn't, I didn't think, I didn't expect you to be so nice. Like there's a mm -hmm. lot that, that happens a lot is yeah. you're really nice. And they're well, almost I, like skeptical. Of, yeah. Yeah. It's, but well, again, I didn't expect to be able to relate with you. I didn't expect this, for this to go on this long. Sure. Um, uh, I think this actually end, might end up being the longest one that I've done so far. And it's been such an interesting conversation. 
and I've learned so much from it. And, you know, I've not gotten through all the questions that I wanted to sort of ask you. Um, you know, we're ne- I'm nearly on to midnight, actually. It's, it's like 11.45 wow. right now. Well, let's, yeah. let's, let's all, we can pinpoint the, uh, the bullet points of, of the rest of the stuff that you want to talk about. So I want to make sure that you get it in. Um, yeah, but I really, we, I really enjoy talking to you too. And if you yeah. ever want to, if you want to follow up, you know, in the future of anything else. We should definitely do a follow-up. I just want to ask sort of two final questions. Sure. Um, just to sort of um, sum up is, I know you kind of touched on it um, and you have dated people before, but why no, why no marriage? Why no kids? Because the typical sort of assumption would be that you would want kids, especially sort of, you know, you had this feminine career and, you know, it's, it's just the sort of sure. natural, again, another assumption for me, I guess. Sure. I think I, I literally knew at age four, I swear, I, I grew up really fast due to some circumstances uh, of my environment, unfortunately. Mm. But I think I saw a woman on TV that was very empowering. And because I was sort of lost as a child in, in what my circumstances were at that point in my life, I looked at her and I sort of wanted to become a robot. And I thought she's powerful. And I also looked at machines and robots, like perfection and, and strength. And I never wanted anybody for the rest of my life to control me. And that was something that as a child, there was a circumstance where it happened quite badly. And I think, I think my brain was trained at that point of like, no one's going to tell me what to do ever again. And I have wonderful boyfriends. Every guy has been great, but I literally, Tarek, feel like a caged panther. The minute I get in a relationship, I'm like, oh, you know, I just, I need out. I need freedom. My favorite song in the world is Leonard Skinner, Freebird. And it's all about being free and not, I may love you, but I I have to let you go. Mm. Maybe a partnership in the future would be better where it's like, he lives in New York and I live in LA and we travel. Yeah, like a long-term relationship. I like that. Long, like sorry, that. long distance relationship. Yeah, yeah, like a best friend that I don't have to see all the time and, get, and mm. I have full freedom. Kids were never in the picture. I have so much love to give. So because I don't have either of those, I am a mother to my friends. I'm a mother mm. as a mentor to so many young people. Um, I want a platform of giving back constantly. I want to like every day I I'm, I'm just helping someone all the time. And not that I'm like, you know, the end all be all, but I really enjoy loving other people and caring about other people mm. to the point where I'll put more of an emphasis on them than I will myself. And then I'll happen to ignore the issues that yeah. I have. And long story short, I'll make this very fast, but I shattered my leg and my arm. Oh, I forgot about my asking that. On, yeah. a, on a huge studio film shoot in mm. January of 2020. And it, it is called a catastrophic injury in the court of law. It has drastically changed my life. I had to, I was sort of an exercise addict. So if I ever had stress and because I don't drink or do drugs or anything like that, I exercised and I worked out and I boxed. That's all been taken away from me. So where, where are my coping mechanisms? Mm. So I've had to really learn from this, but it really had to dig, dig deep inside myself of like, you're not that strong right now. You know, you are used to being a very powerful girl. And what scares me is if I were to walk around in Hollywood, and Hollywood sometimes is, Los Angeles is not the safest area sometimes, I can't run away. I don't have the ability to run away from something. If there was a burning building, I'm sure my adrenaline would kick in, but I can't even walk up a step yet. So mm. that's 
that power has been taken away. So I really have even more empathy for the handicapped. Mm. This injury has allowed that. And I'm, I'm thankful for it. And you probably just saw what happened in Tiger Woods as well. Um, yeah. In that, and it's, it's a similar injury, but I have, I have the femur. Mine's the, the bigger bone, the bigger bone on top of that, plus my arm. So it's just been a real, real experience. And my family was happy it happened in a way because they said you were running on high octane fuel and you were not sleeping and you were, you were killing yourself. And I was, I was killing myself in this rat race and, and, you know, COVID happened at the same time. Basically I I was in the hospital when Kobe Bryant died. I was in the hospital when the COVID cases started coming in. So it was just very interesting time. Um, So how is it, how is, how did this injury come about then? I, I'm, I'm actually under gag order. I can't talk about it because it's a huge, oh, huge, okay. huge film. Um, just a very bad accident during rehearsal. And I basically, ah. I, I basically landed on concrete at night. So it was very cold, cold, mm. hard concrete on my right knee and my left elbow coming from my very high elevation oh. onto the constant. Yeah. But I'm very lucky because I would have died um, within an hour of not getting to the hospital, of not getting to the hospital. I went home that wow. night thinking nothing was wrong. I'm an athlete. Walk it off, walk it off. I'm like, yeah. there was so much, there was so much shock in my body that it just mm. didn't. So I was blood clotting, but there was, sh- there was shattered bone through my body and it was clotting my blood. So I would have died of a blood clot within the hour of yeah. going to the hospital the next day after I did another job. Wow. I couldn't, I could barely drive and I was getting honked yeah. at. Nobody honks at me. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a great driver, yeah. but I couldn't, I couldn't, and I've, quite long legs and I have a sports car. I could not get my legs into the sports car. Like I, it was too small, yeah. too compact. And then I have a heavy, heavy steering. I could barely steer the wheel. And I'm like, something, I call my mom. I'm like, something's wrong. Yeah. Something's wrong. Something's wrong. Wow. Yeah. No, <laughs> I drove myself sounds... to the emergency room afterwards. Yeah. <laughs> and my I car mean... got towed. Oh, wow. Yeah. It's not the best day then. Um... No, not really. <laughs> <laughs> wow. I mean, again, just to sort of go back there, I, I relate to this sort of, idea of I mean again I'm 19 years old who knows life could change is the idea of I, I feel you know like uh, I essentially I don't really want to get married I guess uh, I, I, I want to help as many people as possible um, and like for me my, one of my personal sort of ambitions is weirdly enough again another way I can sort of relate to you is I have this you know I want to and again this isn't sort of me being anti-American again but it's no go ahead in America there's an obesity problem and in the UK there's an obesity problem as well and the gap between America and the UK is getting smaller and smaller because the the UK is getting more and more obese and it's it's the same on the other side as well in the sense that there are people that have eating disorders as well it's I think it's eating disorder awareness this week or some week this week and it's the same and there's such a big issue around food and nutrition and over the last few years I've sort of learned more about food and nutrition and I've gotten into running and exercising and working out. And it feels amazing for me, but I grew up, especially when I was younger, like, um, uh, I was a, a very, I was an obese kid. I was very overweight. I remember getting a letter. So we, we all got weighed at home. And this is one of my biggest motivate, uh, motivators. We all got weighed in school, sorry. And then they sent a letter home and on the letter, it would tell us, you know, whether we were overweight or not. And I remember sure. reading it. I opened the letter because it said my name when I was young and I got excited. So, and I remember reading it and it said, your son is very, very, very overweight. So it's not just one very, it wasn't just overweight. It was, it was three varies 
and I gosh. thought, wow. And I remember that was the point where I realized I had to lose weight. And it was, it was, it was, it was like a five year process before I realized how to lose weight because, and I, that is my motivator because I want it to be not easier to lose weight, but I want people, especially young people to know how to lose weight or how to eat better and how to have a better relationship with food and kids, especially younger kids get bullied for being large. And I hate that. I, I, I think out of everything, like with my siblings mm. as well, I, I can appreciate my, obviously as siblings, you insult each other all the time. Right. But I, I never let my siblings say the word fat in the house ever. Cause I, I was called fat by not just, not by my sibling, my sister never called me, but by aunties, uncles, by cousins, like that were 10, 15 years older than me. And I remember, and they used to say it in a way that they think, oh, he, he's too stupid to understand. But I always understood what they were saying. They'd Absolutely. say it in my, in my home language, as they say in Bengali sometimes, and they think, oh, he wouldn't understand. But I was an intelligent kid. I knew what they were saying. Uh, and, you know, they'd speak to other people about it. And I'd be like, I can overhear the conversation. Well, and even if you I, couldn't understand the eye contact, you know, you know, when you're being talked about. Well, and exactly. And especially, you know, I knew I was large as well. Um, but I, and I, it, I mean, again, to look at it in a good way, um, it's given me thick skin and it's also made, it's given me motivation to basically prove all those people wrong, not just fitness wise, because they're always shocked when they see me every summer because they're like, oh, you've lost weight. Oh, you go running. Oh, you, you run six miles. What? What? Like they're always shocked by that. And I'm like, yeah, because, and in my head, my response, I'm always like, oh, thank you. But in my head, I'm always like, yeah, because you used to call me fat all the time. That's yes. why. Yes. You know what I mean? And like when they, when they hear about things like oh, I'm willing to do the podcast or um, we don't have presidents sort of in school and stuff like that. But we have one thing called, you know, we have a head boy and a head girl. And I was lucky to be a head, head boy at my school. And when I told them that and I got onto a new, I've gotten onto newspapers and stuff because of that, because it's such a small town. And, um, and they're always like, oh, my God, you do this, that and that. Um, and they're always so shocked by it. And I'm like, yeah, because you mentally you you're my motivator from 15 years ago. Because I remember what you used to say to me. And it just, and again, that's sort of how I, that's my goal is I want to help, you know, these young kids that it's not their fault that they're, you know, fat, you know, or, you know, overweight, that they don't know anything about how to eat healthily. You know, maybe their parents don't know how to eat healthy. But I want to, I want to do something that helps those kids. I'd rather do that than get married and live a luxurious lifestyle and go on a couple of Oh holidays. my God, you're speaking my language and I want you on my podcast to talk about this, <laughs> if, if that's okay, because this is, this is exactly what I do. Yeah, this course, is exactly yeah. what I talk about. And I just interviewed a girl who um, had gone to fat camps. I mean, we, it, they all call it's MTV, you know, big MTV. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They, they had done a big documentary on the fat camps and she went mm. there seven years in a row. She now is the biggest TikTok, TikTok sensation about helping young teens lose weight in a very mm. fun way. I would love to bring you on because that's so interesting, especially in a Muslim household yeah. of, of being called that. And it, it is berating and it is, and it's, it's abusive. And, mm. But the thing is, look at it as a positive. Yeah, you they got drove to. Yeah. you. I yeah, mean, yeah. You, you would be successful anyway, but you have a even big, bigger motivator. That's my motivator, yeah. That yeah. is one of my biggest motivators, potentially love the biggest that. motivator. Because I know me. what was said. Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. It's like, I know what was said. And even if they, and most of them don't remember it. So I've mentioned, you know, the older cousins that I've got um, mm -hmm. that used to say it to me. Now I'm, I'm almost on their, I'm on their level now. Because before I was like 9, 10 and they were like 20. Whilst now I'm 19 and they're 29. I can speak to them and be like, you know, have a friendly conversation. And then they, and all, so many of my cousins oh, have said it. They go, oh, we have, oh, Tarek, you're, you know, you're a funny guy or, 
you know, I can't believe we talk to each other like this. And then I go, yeah, do you remember when we were younger and you used to say this about me? And they go, no, I don't remember. Oh, that wasn't me. That was Singy. And I was like, no, it was you as well. And I don't have, I don't have any hate against any of them. Right, but... But I, I will never... I, I, they'll always be my, the motivator. At least their past selves will always be my motivator. And to be able to prove them wrong at the end, you know, that's why I'm motivated to do a half marathon one day is to be able to say, oh, I ran this many miles or, you know, be able to say, oh, I can drive this car. I can give my dad this car. I can do this mm-hmm. or whatever. And I've helped this many people. Like it, it helps uh, to have, I don't know. It's weird. It's like those little bad experiences. You can always turn them into motivators and, and positive elements. Absolutely. I guess. As long as you're happy doing it and you're doing it for yourself as well. If you're doing it just to spite someone, then, then it doesn't come from, it's yeah. gotta be, but it's for you too. So I think that's exactly, perfect. Yeah. And I fully agree with you. I'm the same way. I've used those same things. Like, oh, like I think Lady Gaga, her boyfriend said, you'll never make it without me. She's like, watch me, you know? So Who that the was hell her. is Lady Gaga's boyfriend? It was some guy from like high school or college or wherever she was. Oh, and okay. she, that would drove her every day of her life. Yeah. Watched me. And same exactly. as Barbara, Barbara Corcoran. You know, Barbara Corker and the big, the big um, CEO. Anyway, she's on Shark Tank. It's a huge show right. here, but yeah, yeah, I've heard billionaire. That. Her husband said, you'll never be anything without me. She's like, see you later. And exactly. that was her driver, it's those so. It's those little motivators, those people yeah. that they're not your, they're, they're not the motivator. The motivator is you because you want to do well. But those things, Trigger. when you're down, when you're down and out or you can't do it, you remember. I remember when that person said, I need to prove this person wrong now. Even when you're bloody and on the ground, that's your last yeah. fight. Exactly. I agree. That, that's awesome. It's that last thing. And it's amazing. Um, my final sort of, my final question to you is, um, if you could give, well, uh, oh, we have time. No, I'm going to change. Yeah. So we've got, we got, we got, we got 10 minutes, I think. Yep. We if can do it. you could, if you could give your 19 year old self, if you could go back and give your 19 year old self some advice, 19, 18, roughly that age, what advice would it be? stop stressing out. It's you, you're going to be fine. I'm still this age and I have like just such unbelievable stress and, and disbelief in myself. People think I'm the most confident person in the, on the face of the earth. I'm highly insecure. I have to work on security issues every day, positive motivation, knowing that I can do it, know that I've, I've fallen on hard times before I can make it again. This particular one with the injury is a little scarier because I don't really know what's going to happen after this, but just tell yourself, you're going to be okay. And you've got to do what you want to do. Don't listen to everybody else. If your parents want you to become a doctor and maybe you don't want to be a doctor, maybe you want to be something else. You got to go with your gut instinct, go and take those risks. Keep taking the risks and believe in yourself. And I know that sounds so cliche, but it's just like, it's so stressful, especially as a 19 year old now with all the social media and everything like that. Just and stick to your morals, stick to your guns and you can experiment and you can you know, go crazy. Always come back to ground zero if you can. Build an oak tree for yourself. Don't just be a, a, one of these windy, windy trees that will be knocked over. Work on your core set of values. Work on what it means to be kind what it means to be smart and, and have a heart. Don't lead with your looks. If you're a beautiful person, don't rely on your looks. You can get in an accident outside and get in a car crash and lose that. I have too many friends that are beautiful that have nothing on the inside and they get plastic surgery after plastic surgery because it's never good enough. That's a package, that package fades. 
You've got to bring something on the inside. And I think beauty is from the inside out, truly. Some of the most beautiful people are not the most attractive, you know? So I guess that's a lot, that's a lot of advice, but just believe in yourself and remain strong within yourself, probably. And that is it for this week's episode of the podcast. Uh, I never thought I'd ever relate to a model before, but I guess that's why I started the podcast um, to you know, speak to people, hear their stories, and by hearing their stories, uh, learn a bit more about myself and what I want to do. Uh, I don't think I want to go into modeling, um, despite what Anne said, but uh, I learned a lot. Um, you know, I grew an appreciation for, you know, I, 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 before the podcast, I, I thought I was someone that was quite open-minded to everything, you know, different occupations, understanding that different jobs have different, you know, difficulties and there isn't really an easy job. But uh, the amount of appreciation I have for, you know, something like cheerleading or modeling and, you know, the expectations that are on you and how strict everything in that is and how everything is so regimented, you know, I could never do that. Um, and, you know, uh, from everything else as well, the everything Anne talked about, it was such an interesting podcast uh, and I wasn't expecting it to go as, as long as it did. Um, it, it was late in the night when I recorded it, um, you know, 12 a.m. I finished or even past 12 a.m., uh, and I was shattered, but it was so worth it. It was a brilliant podcast, and it was amazing to sit down with Anne. Uh, make sure you check out uh, the uh, Soul Cow Sweat podcast. I'll leave it linked in the description. Um, and yeah, uh, don't forget also to leave a review on Apple Podcasts if you did enjoy this episode. Follow us on Spotify or wherever you get your podcast, and share us on your socials, tagging at MMHY Podcast on Instagram so you don't miss next week's episode. Have an amazing week. Uh, until next time.